Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We just watched season five, episode three, titled High Sparrow. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Aaron? So, yeah, I try to I try to be fair to the show a lot of times, and I'm skeptical of a lot of like the true fan. Uh, you know, like last last year, there was a near riot about the the wording oh, Littlefinger used before he threw his ridiculous. sister off off of the out the moon door. Uh-huh. Not his sister, his wife, sister wife, whatever. Uh, the crazy, crazy uh, nine year old milk feeder. Yeah, there's some things like that where you know I've kind of been disgruntled with, and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And I'm I'm not I'm not sure why the double D's chose to change the ter- the wording because I do think it's more elegant in the book. And there's other times where it's like, well, I feel like they've simplified things down to where it would be just as easy to tell the fuller story in just as much time. And for some reason, they don't. Like, one of the big things was John and the Corn Halfhand plot, where, you know, he forced John to kill him so he could get in good at the Wildlings. That happened in a lot more satisfying way in the books. Hmm. And it was just something missing in the show. This is the first time where I just, like, I have been looking forward to John lopping off Jano Slint's head. Yeah. And in the book, it just happens so much more. It's it's essentially the same thing, but John's going to have him hung. And he's going this like, oh, okay. you can't scare me. I have friends. And 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 when you're reading the books, John has a change of heart. Like, as he starts to get his head in the noose, and he's like, I'm a lord. I can't. And he's like, oh, you're right. We, we won't be hanging you. And then Jano starts to smirk, and he says, you know, uh, Ed, fetch me the block. And then okay, and you then realize you're right. Off, you are a high Lord. I shouldn't be hanging you. I should be taking you off your, your own damn head off with my own sword. And it's a crowning moment of awesome. This, if you didn't know, I mean, I don't know. How did you, as a, as a show watcher, how did it feel to you? Like, did that feel I awesome? I don't know that that would have felt any different to me. Cause okay. I, I, I got all those same sensations that you're talking okay. about. Like, Jeno Slint was, you know, an insolent little asshole the entire time. He's a coward. He's yeah. he's afraid. What he admits at the end is true. He's yeah. always been afraid. But maybe it was less here about, you know, him wanting to, like, prove a point to Janos as well. Uh-huh. But when Janos confesses that he's afraid uh-huh. and he's derelict of duties during the battle, <laughs> sure. uh, I felt like John, John can't tolerate that. John, sure. John at... At that point, was like, you know what? I was afraid. My father was afraid. Everyone is afraid. They all did their jobs. Fuck you. Off with your head. And uh, honestly, when Jano said mercy, you know, that was clearly to, like, this is another test. Like, oh, my God. And, oh, Stannis is watching. And that was all fine. I just felt like yeah. there, it felt rushed. And, again, as a book reader, I was expecting the one thing where we had this natural kind of, like, crescendo and then the false crescendo and then the climax. <laughs> and... This is a big moment, and I don't know, man. I, I, it's like maybe it had 30 seconds to scene, maybe a whole minute, and maybe that's the whole thing. But damn, like when you get a chance to swing for defenses on a big line like that, I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the line Jon Snow gets in, in the whole series. I'm a little let down, and that happened fairly early on in the episode, and it kind of carried, you know, again, on my first watch, uh, that kind of sense of bummer felt <laughs> felt followed me through the episode and uh that also, sucks. this episode is fucking dreary man. i was about to say like the past couple of episodes you know you've had scenes in the water gardens sure. and you've had scenes at king's landing where it's bright and it's you know as cheerful as king's landing is gonna sure. be this just felt 
dark and yes. dreary the whole time. I mean, everything is just like stone and heavy yeah. and dark. Yeah, I'm I wasn't really feeling much of this episode. I I thought a lot of cool stuff happened, um, and a lot of good plot movement and stuff, but a lot the of pieces, tone of it was just bleh. A lot of pieces have been set on the board, and I feel like True. they've been doing that the last two episodes, but now things are actually moving. So many things are happening radically different. Everything with Brienne, uh, we already talked about Jamie, everything with Sansa and mm-hmm. even Littlefinger, and I'm I'm starting to see how maybe all this stuff is going to reconnect, but... Yeah, you're right. I mean, visually, this episode looked like that Moat Kalen said. It's just a yep. big mud hole. Foggy, foggy brown mud hole. Most of it. And, you know, it's like you're down in the dungeons of the house in black and white. You're down into, you know, I mean, Winterfell looks like a shithole now. Everything. Everything just looked dark. I mean, you're in the brothels. You're in... There was no marine to brighten stuff up. Okay. So let's yeah. take this one at a time. Uh, one of the bright points, I thought, was Brienne and Podrick. Uh, we got yeah. Brienne's backstory and kind of I feel like it made Brienne seem more intelligent because mm. you've always I've always wondered whether Brienne actually realized that Rinley was gay or huh. whether she okay. was just kind of lovesick over him. But yeah. I liked that the show acknowledges that, no, I'm not an idiot. I, I was loyal to him because he was a person that showed me kindness and he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was great, and that gives a really good backstory. And I'm super interested to see how this intersects with you know Brienne understanding they're going to Winterfell, and what's that's what that's going to do. I also kind of like the scene between Littlefinger and Sansa. I don't understand, like, I mean, the pieces are all there. We've seen we've seen Sansa unwittingly assassinate a powerful person. Okay, you know, be yeah. manipulated in doing that. Uh-huh. If she's actually on Littlefinger's side, what kind of shit can they pull off in Winterfell? Uh, probably a lot of shit. I don't know. It depends on how fast Stannis gets down there, I guess. But and and will Brienne kind of fuck that up? And yeah, you've also got this collision course. We got a fort. Uh, he marches for Winterfell in a fortnight. Yeah, uh, that is very exciting news. I mean, this feels like, definitely. I mean, that's. I feel like at at episode three, we're it feels like we're kind of an episode five territory, <laughs> just based on my preseason thoughts of how this uh-huh. we're gonna go. Everything is more compressed, like you said. It's yeah, which makes me really evaluate how far into the future we're gonna get by the end of this this season. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. Um. But I do like the idea of Sansa having some agency and being able to strike back at her. Uh, the tormentors. I don't know. I mean, you know, Littlefinger's in this for Littlefinger, though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is all raw, raw. That's the thing. He's ta- he's openly talking about his ambitious plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm an ambitious man with an ambitious goal, and mm-hmm. you're part of that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And how much does he really care about Sansa? And if yeah, he does yeah. care, like, obviously, he puts himself and his pride and ambition first. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if things go badly for her. And that's the thing. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me if Sansa gets killed. Ramsey is a lunatic. Yeah. A complete lunatic. So, yeah. no, it wouldn't shock me either. And it's not, I mean, there's wheels within wheels. Like, there's that significant look of, like, Ramsey's number one torture whore. Uh-huh. She's not happy about, you know. And, like, you think, you think, you thought Shay was hard on Tyrion? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know what she could do, but anything because they're all there are a lot of things. She's not even. I mean, Sansa's not even supposed to really be there. So yeah, and and it's also really good. I, I mean, the more I talk myself in this episode, the more there's a lot of really good stuff that I miss in the first half because I was getting the taste of uh the uh mm-hmm. the abbreviated version of Janos execution out of my mouth. But let me say though, it was very tasty. Like what? I wanted to see Janos killed sure. from the jump. And and that's what I'm saying. Like that's what and pisses I, me off the most. I got disappointed by something <laughs> I wanted to see so bad, you know? True, true. Uh I, I'm super glad that John handled the Alistair thing the way he did. That was very slick. Yes. And, and, and Alistair understands that and appreciates it. Yeah. Uh which is why he steps aside when they go to Sure. To, Lop Janos. Yeah, and, and and the whole latrine thing. It's like you're you're waiting. Like, oh, he's you going to give it. And to... he is too. He's looking away from the camera. He's like, That's he's what like... I would do. Only uh-huh. probably worse. Um, and yep. he, I also like that they really sold the idea of the Black Brothers being more of a democracy. Okay. Like you know, random random brothers can boo and cheer and say shut up and you know. The one thing like, you can't do is refuse an order from the Lord. Damn Commander. straight, damn straight. <laughs> and and that's I knew the thing. he had it coming as soon as he did that. Do you think that this is going to quiet? I mean, this is kind of full cast territory. So one of the questions I'm asking myself is: Is this going to quiet John's enemies down, or is this going to drive them further underground and make them more dangerous later? I feel like it's going to have a positive effect for John. Yeah. Uh, just because now Alistair is kind of aligned behind him. It feels like. Or, or he's he's at least being pushed in that direction. I don't know if he's totally on board with Jon Snow at this point. But, you know, yeah. he, he proved himself in the battle. Alistair saw that. He has now treated him with... And a respect. Uh, a, a respect that, yeah, he definitely didn't deserve. I mean, First Ranger so, is a very high honor. It's mm-hmm. essentially... I mean, I don't know what the second command under Lord. I mean, you've got the the Maester. Uh, obviously, he's highly respected, and there's like a first builder. And but I feel like yeah, with yeah. the Night's Watch being a military organization, First Ranger is the A number one position behind Lord Commander. I, I, that's how it felt to me. Yeah. So that is, you know, essentially making him vice president. That's a big reach across the aisle mm-hmm. to him, and he appreciates it. So. And that's I'm a, looking for good things to happen for John yeah, yeah. in the future, but yeah. <laughs> that's not really a Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about his struggle to maintain neutral? I thought that struggle was... Struggle to maintain neutral? What are you talking about? Well, so he he vows to take no part in any of the politics of the realm. Oh, until uh, Davos gets sticks his hand in there. Do you think that's going to be... I mean... Do you think it's going to be enough to nudge John into violating his neutrality? Especially the fact that he's uh, my next battle is Winterfell, mm-hmm. taking it back. Like this is a big struggle for John. Like where is his duty to the Night's Watch? Where is his duty to the realm? And I, I liked how they. This isn't Davos helped him appreciate that it's not just a personal glory thing. Mm-hmm. This is arguably a greater fulfillment of your vows. But then also, what do you do with these hundred thousand wildlings? Yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing. Once Stannis leaves, does Tormund still want to get the wildlings south of the Wall? And if he does, that could be a problem for John. Yeah, and it's a problem for the Night's Watch because right now they're feeding everybody, and as John says, winter is coming. Something has to change. He he's put in a position where he has to. He cannot just maintain status quo. He has to make Certainly. bold decisions some way or another. I'm I'm trying to figure out where he stands on the wildlings coming south of the Wall. Yeah. I, I think he's okay with that, but that's a lot of people. Yeah. A um, and what do they do once they get south of the wall? Once giants and thin and 
sure. all of these different factions get south of the wall. He's got to be worried about the kingdoms then. Well, and I think making Ollie, that the kid from the uh, northern village that got slaughtered by the wildlings last year, his yep. personal steward is a really brilliant idea from the show because that's personalizing the antagonistic feelings that the black brothers have towards the wildlings like we saw with the thi- like some of me torment mans they seem all right yeah. uh but the the thins uh are cannibals and they uh-huh. look like they're dicks you know sure. and the giants who know who, who knows what their ethos is i felt like their treaty here was dubious at best like sure it felt very flaky like the thins at any moment would turn on people and start sure. eating them and killing them yeah uh so yeah i I'd be definitely concerned about that if I were John, just letting them go over the wall. Um, why don't we talk about Arya? That's where I wanted to go next, too. Sure. Uh, speaking of dark, dungeony places, man, this house of black and white, it's mostly black in there. Yep. It's mostly black. Yep. Uh, Arya still holding on to the person that is Arya by burying that sword in the, the rocks It's there. the one thing she just couldn't bear to give up. Needle. Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt like too much of a connection to her family, too much of a connection to, you know, the the sword guy who trained her. I don't remember his name. Sirio. Sirio. Uh, yeah, I, How I'm i certain that... they're going to find it. I'm certain the the faceless men will know about it. I don't think she can hide it from them. Yeah, it's mildly interesting. Uh, it seems like she has not fully become the Karate Kid yet. Right. That's the thing. It's like, you know, when I was watching this, I was like, God, Arya, haven't you seen Karate Kid or any? It's <laughs> yeah. like this sweeping the floors, pfft, like unpaid slave labor is a step one becoming a, any badass. That's, yeah. that's clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, regardless of whether the Faceless Men find it or not, it's clearly an impediment to her becoming no one. Certainly. And, you know, I I wonder if... This is going to be a eventual repudiation of the uh, faceless men philosophy. Like maybe you can retain an identity and still be a killer or still mm-hmm. have an impact. Um, or maybe she just will take the faceless man training and then reject the philosophy. I, what is the faceless man philosophy? I mean, we got that's some a hints fair of question. It. Yeah. What are they? What What are they actually doing? This house of black and white. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of all left mysterious. Yeah. What are these people drinking this water and then? passing out dying uh, like i'm not certain exactly they what got, happens there. they get put on a stretcher uh-huh. they get carried downstairs they get stripped they get naked and bathed and that and guy what? looked pretty dead i thought so too uh and and maybe that's part of becoming no one is you become this kind of like magical spirit creature who can transform into other people and maybe that's what jack well, is that's what's really cool about the decision to kind of show this as parallel to whatever the hell kyburn's doing in his cell yeah yeah because like that blew <laughs> me away like when uh the gregor corpse uh-huh. presumably started flopping around uh and then kyburn's Oof. just like not even concerned just, shh, shh, uh-huh. it's all right that there's a lot of like, what are they doing to those fucking bodies with magic and all this other kind of necromancy going on? Crazy yeah, stuff. it it felt to me like that was that was some sort of ceremony that signified your becoming a faceless man. Mm. Um, but I I can't be certain because they don't tell us. They so are you they don't saying tell us that what a drinking it, really. that and like a, suffering an apparent death is part of the, the yeah? Meh, I mean that seems like it. Sure, that's all mildly interesting. Guess. <laughs> what do you think about the, what's going on in King's Landing with the High Sparrows or the Sparrows and the so-called High Sparrow? 
I don't know. They seem to be some religious cult who are very concerned about keeping people worshiping the mm-hmm. gods correctly. Yeah. Uh, and they use humiliation and... Well, it, he had a funny it, it take. It didn't feel like he he was super happy with the beating of that high septon. Well, I mean, because again... I feel uh, like humiliation was on the, the slate and the beating was a little extra. Yeah, like how... And I guess... This guy does seem like a very devout man. Like yes. he would not want to see his sparrows go too far into justice and to vengeance yeah. because mm-hmm. that's a sin in itself. And he seems to be all about trying to live a life without any kind of sin, mm-hmm. um, which is and you know kind of scary. You know, someone that uncompromising in, in their beliefs, but he does yeah. seem kind of like a nice guy. Any ideology taken too far is a scary thing. Sure. Uh, Let's see what else. Uh, well, let's talk about Tommen. And consummation with Marjorie. Oh yeah. So way to go, Tommen. <laughs> how? I mean, Tommen's like we we talked about this last year. Like thirteen, fourteen years old. Sure. Marjorie's in her early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is interesting about this situation is if this was this was different. If if uh, this was a scene between Tyrion and Sansa, and they actually did consummate. Uh-huh. Even if Sansa was willing, I feel like. People would be rioting in the streets, but on the other hand, it's like all high fives to King's Tommen and how awesome it is. And I think intellectually that's wrong, but in Certainly. my heart, I'm wanting to give him high fives too. Oh, you think it's wrong to high five him? Well, I why mean, not this... just high five Santa as well? Like if she's all for it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I don't know. I'm just saying that there is a double standard there. Hmm. It's the same thing where like a high school teacher. Uh, has sex with a 16-year-old girl, and he's a monster. High school teacher has sure. sex with a boy, and she and he and both of them is like, everyone's kind of like making a joke out of it. Yes, I I think there's a perception of something inherently unconsensual about that. Sure. For for a young girl versus a young boy. And that's part of probably the whole patriarchy power, power yes. dynamics and all that. Absolutely. And it's a weird thing. It, it is. It is a double standard. But it is one that is ingrained somehow in our society. Like a hundred years from now, I maybe this will be seen as super shocking. Like, maybe. oh my god, this is like he. How can he possibly give consent? He's just a thirteen-year-old boy, and he's been, you know, I. But yeah, you have to also view it from the lens of the show. Which that's is, the other thing. Yeah, fucking ten-year-olds are kings. What do you want? What do you want? Sure. I mean, they're they're leading men to their deaths in battle. Sure. They can't fuck somebody if they want sure. to. Sure. And in the books, it doesn't like once a girl got to be of breeding age, then they yeah. were married off. Sure. Like chattel. That's just how it was done. Yeah. At the time, so you can't you can't get too on your modern societal high horse. You can't. Yeah. When you're watching these shows, I but mean, I, I, think I do you understand. Can, but you have to pick. It's it's kind you of can, but I think you're going to look silly if you do. Sure. Like this sure. is a fantasy world. There's, it's an old world. There's things where you can say I want to apply more social egalitarian look, and it doesn't really matter to the plot. You know, we're talking about let's okay, let's let's have the people of Essos be more racially diverse. And it's not just all brown people okay. with a white person saving them. Fine, mm-hmm. but this it's like when you start changing because that doesn't really affect the story, right? No, Danny is there to liberate a people. It doesn't have to be about race. Sure, here it's all about the sexual power dynamics and what Marjorie's doing. So if you yeah remove this from the plot it's removing a lot of the mechanics of the story yeah i mean you have to believe that she has this vice grip on tommen and then cersei is unable i i know when you when you have them consummating and tommen looking as gleeful as he does sure 
you believe it. Yeah. And you believe that Cersei's grip would not have any effect at this point. Right. And that's the point of those scenes. So I don't know that you can get around that. Um, Marjorie, yeah, Marjorie, and also Marjorie seems more benevolent than Cersei. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I don't really know that's what the Marjorie's thing. plan she, is. It, there's a little predatory gleam in her eye, not like mm-hmm. sexual predatory, but like I am, you know, when, when Tommen says, oh, it's so weird to be think of me as the king. And does it seem weird to you? And she's like, yeah. oh, so weird. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. She's been, she's you been, I don't know if you've been watching this. the show, Tommen, but she's been trying to be queen for like four fucking seasons now. For at least two kings. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you want me to fuck a gay guy? Fuck a gay guy. You want me to fuck a psychopath? I'll fuck a psychopath. A 14 year old boy, bring him in here. I won't. Fuck him! Like she, that's that's there is something just as yep. just as cold and calculated about her ambition as any of like the little fingers or you know definitely Daenerys's of the world. I'm totally with you. And I my first impression of Cersei's reaction to this was yeah. a little surprised um, that she went to Marjorie and was looking all what was with that and defeated. Uh, I can't believe that cersei actually feels defeated here no kidding and and especially because she she walks away from that conversation and the girls start giggling and she gets this look in her eye yeah i felt which is like doubling down on her determination and they also set that up beautifully when they were in a convoy and like the people were cheering about queen they love queen marguerite they're not even they're not people aren't even looking at cersei's Mm -hmm. box or whatever now and you know, you look at this uh, through her view of her prophecy where a queen more younger and beautiful is going to – do you think that she's trying to subvert that prophecy by co-opting Marjorie or trying to swallow her? Hmm. But that's not Cersei. No, Cersei is kind of power hungry, power mad. And she's very prideful and she's also vast – tends to vastly over uh, inflate her own importance and her skill at doing anything. So – I think she has something up her sleeve. Yeah. And, and and getting Marjorie off her guard and kind of off kilter is part of that. Yeah. She she needs Marjorie to think that she feels defeated. Sure. Uh, the only other thing to talk about is Tyrion and Essos, who, like, I was screaming at the scene, screen many times. Like, it's one thing to go out and stretch your legs. Mm-hmm. But do you really have – does he want to be caught? Well, if he does, congratulations, because you got caught. Yeah, well, I mean, like he say, he's essentially saying, hello, I'm a Lannister, used to be uh-huh. rich, do you, you know. I always pay my debts. Uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Imagine with the elbow there. I, yeah, it's a bad idea. I mean, it's, it, but it's Tyrion, right? Yeah, do you think I'm honest or am I lying? Huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, no, it's, it's, and then having, uh, you know, we've been wondering where uh, Jorah has been kicking around. Yeah. Apparently he's been drinking himself. In brothels, I, I thought that there he was going to like get up and stab the dude that's whoring around with the fake queen Daenerys. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, not happy about that. But uh, horn swoggling uh, Tyrion and taking her to the queen, which is kind of what everyone wants anyway. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder if Jorah wasn't the guy who maybe said, you know what, you kind of look like the queen. Maybe braid your hair, put on a dress, uh, with, with no an assless dress. Yeah. And uh, I might be willing to How many stags myself. has he paid for fake Queen Daenerys? Uh, I don't know what a stag is worth. <laughs> it's a silver. I don't, I don't either. Um, there's four? no like, inflation I, Is that a number? Like... Four, it's worth four. Is that? It's worth four. Four, four things. <laughs> four units of whoredom. I mean, I saw what uh, Davos paid his 
you know, sellsword captain guy uh, for his boats. And I was like, right. mm, it's not a lot, but it right. seems like that was a big sum. Sure. And wasn't there like cases like that was like. Yeah. And he said there's more. Sure. That came from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's interesting. That complicates things. So with, uh, the path to. Yeah. The road to Marine is a little uh, curvier than Varus. Because I was wondering how they're going to do this with Tyrion being you know, former hand of the king and being a big Lannister. And that's with Varys introducing him very subtly. Yeah. Uh, Jorah comes and he's all bound. Like, I found the Lannister asshole that, you know, has brought so much misery to your... Yeah. Then it's, you know, I mean... It's two birds with one stone, right? It gets Tyrion to Marine, which is something we all wanted. And it gets Jorah potentially back in the good graces. That's what he's hoping for. Certainly, he's hoping for Do you think it's going to work? I don't know. I don't know. That seems like a big risk yeah because i couldn't i couldn't judge whether danny i mean i don't i don't know what she's gonna do it's gonna be interesting well yeah, yeah like i said it's I, I feel like this is the longest in-cast cast we've ever done so there's clearly a lot to unpack about this episode there is but you know and and as as i'm talking myself through i almost find myself like being more excited and interesting about interested by the possibilities i just you know i think i speak for a lot of book readers and that we're just super let down um, I'm predicting people uh, be super let down when when they <laughs> when they see this on Reddit and the forums and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, if you'd like to send us your reaction uh, or your ideas of what's to come, send it to Game of Thrones at baldmove dot com. You can also participate on our forums, which are cool because you can get in the spoiler thread or the non spoiler thread, depending on your tolerance for risk and how far along in the books you are. You can keep up with our releases on Facebook dot com slash baldmove and also over on Twitter at bald move. So you can know at the moment that we release these things, can't wait to see what people think. And uh, it, it feels like it's going to be a pretty epic podcast on Tuesday. Maybe not. Maybe we've said everything and we'll just be like, okay, but it feels <laughs> like those, uh, there's a lot more to unpack. I, I, I think so. Yeah. All right. So we will see you then. See you.